Hello and welcome to Retro Encounter episode 136. I am Mike Solosi. I am your host for this evening or morning or whatever time it is for you, listener, because this is not a live podcast. And even though it may not be the present, I am currently talking to Keegan Lee. Hello, hello, everyone. And Hillary Andrew. Hi, everyone. Now, I have taken Keegan away from his time living in the Florida sunshine and taken time away from Hillary being a very busy grad student for something very selfish. About a year and a half ago, we did a special confession episode with uh, our Retro Encounter regulars, Nick Ransbottom and Alana Hagues, in which they confessed to me of RPGs they hadn't played, and we all felt much better for repenting. And uh, so we're going to do another one of these with two new panelists. So we're going to confess about RPGs we haven't played and then try to make each other smarter and better through discussing these sins we have committed by not playing these games. Sure. Wow, that was weird and Catholic, and I apologize. <laughs> but unlike Catholicism, there is no shame at all in this podcast episode. We are It's only learning, only celebrating, only, uh, 100% positive attitude. Uh, so are you guys ready to confess? You know it. I think so. Okay, all right, okay. I detect some nervousness, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, Keegan, we're going to have you go first. Uh, Keegan, how long has it been since your last confession? Uh, it has been 25 years, My I believe. As I have never gone to church. But for me, um, my <laughs> two big confessions are two series that I've always wanted to get into. Okay, we're doing them one at a time. Oh, yes, so, of course. Uh, so just so um, it doesn't matter. Uh, and uh, listeners, that's how we're going to do it. Similar to the episode from 2016, each of us has two games we've prepared to confess. And oh, we're going to do uh, – we're going to take turns – Confessing them and then discussing them. So, Keegan, please tell us your first game or series which you have not played. My first series is the Breath of Fire series for the Super Nintendo and PlayStation series. All right. Now, I I have played a few Breath of Fire games. I, in fact, podcasted about one of them a few months ago on two episodes of Retro Encounter. So, uh, Keegan... Uh, before Hillary and I start talking more about Breath of Fire to the best of our knowledge, uh, what is your impression of the Breath of Fire series? Like, what do you think it is? Okay, so what it seems like to me from an outsider's point of view, it seems like one of those um, very eccentric RPGs where it kind of goes crazy with the story, has super interesting characters and abilities, just stuff that you don't see in other JRPGs. At least that's what it sounds like to me. All right. Um, now, uh, Hillary, how much Breath of Fire have you played, if any? I've actually just played four a long while ago. Okay. Oh. So I'm I'm marginally more experienced than Hillary is with Breath of Fire, I guess. I have played parts of Breath of Fire one and three, but neither of them grabbed me that much. I've, I think I put less than five hours into each of them, but I have beaten two and four, and I have oh, never okay. I have never touched Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which is the fifth one, uh, which is more of a roguelike RPG. It's a PS2 game. And uh, I have not touched Breath of Fire 6, which was a mobile-only Japan... Uh, sorry, a mobile-only game in Japan that had its servers shut down after less than a year. It didn't seem like a very successful mobile Ooh. game. But um, I know 2 and 4 well, and I know 1 and 3 a little bit. Uh, the first two were Super Nintendo, and the uh, and third, third, the third and fourth were PS1. It, it, it's fair to say that the character designs are unique. It's, uh, it's, for a while, it was Capcom's pretty much only RPG series that they were developing in-house. 
the, the main character is always named Ryu, and he always has some kind of dragon transforming power or dragon powers. And the other characters besides Ryu that you meet throughout the game are often a, a real wacky variety of cast members. A lot of, a lot of the times they're sort of anthropomorphic animal looking. Um, now, Hillary, uh, you mentioned you played Breath of Fire 4. Yeah, do you remember the, the rest of the cast other than Ryu in that game? Um, the... A little bit here. And <laughs> now, this, and is, this is unfair an unfair question, because I just played it a few months ago, so it's pretty fresh <laughs> in my mind. No, that's okay. Nina comes to mind pretty quickly. I think she has a pretty pivotal role. Mm-hmm. Um, There's all, it, all, every Breath of Fire game also has a winged girl named Nina. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> now, is there um, a direct correlation between, like, 1, 2, 3, and 4, and, like, how there's always Ryu's and Nina's? You know, I don't think so because the the worlds seem very dissimilar um, between the different games. In uh, Breath of Fire Two, uh, the world is sort of dominated by this uh, by this church that has a dark secret, and there's like there's churches everywhere, and uh, you know um, th- there was a some a sort of a good versus evil conflict many years ago that is sur- resurfacing again. And in Breath of Fire Four, there's two large kingdoms. One is the sort of um, the the eastern kingdom is like deserts and plains, and the western kingdom is like mountains and rivers. And one is sort of more west, is sort of more like European style, and one's more sort of Asian style. The commonalities between Breath of Fire games are the kinds of characters like there's a lot of dog people and cat people, which are separate races called mm. grass runners and and warrens, and a lot of like just some real weirdos. Like in Breath of Fire two, there's a uh, a, a basically a tree man named uh, oh I forget his name. But there's like a plant man that, depending on how you you know combine his powers, he'll transform into different stages of being a tree or shrub. <laughs> and, oh, okay. And in uh, yeah. Breath of yeah, in Breath of Fire Four, the the six main cast members are Ryu and Nina, like usual, a dogs a drunk dog samurai, <laughs> a uh, a club nice. <laughs> a club wielding tiger man, a robot possessed by an ancient spirit, and a uh, and a fox lady with a uh, w- with that has a gun and like fire spells. It's 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 like the characters in the Breath of Fire games, it's a lot of anthropomorphic animal humans and uh, a lot of really colorful characters. It's I, I really enjoyed the two that I played. I think Breath of Fire Four is better than two, and um, mm. I, I feel like giving th- I should give three another chance because I I was I don't know I I uh, got bored with it quickly when I tried playing it over a decade ago, but it's been a long time. It might be worth a shot. Maybe. Yeah, and just to go a little bit more into kind of the background of four because you mentioned. Two being sort of like a church with a dark secret. Four, it's more about an ancient force that's actually kind of been split in two, and your your protagonist right. is kind of one half of that duality. So, mm. like that's sort of one of the one of the themes, which sounds pretty different from two. Oh yeah, there's a yin yang theme going on in four, and uh, this isn't really a spoiler because it happens in the first hour of the game. But most of the game, you're Ryu traveling and trying to help the people that that you've met um, along the way, and you're basically just a little do-gooding dragon boy. And and for but periodically, you uh, you put your the player is put in the shoes of the main antagonist Fo Lu, who's wandering, Ooh. who is uh, who is an ancient like super being that has been revived from a thousand year slumber, and he's try and uh, the and he's trying to you know uh, reclaim his throne and the and the current you know seats of seat of power in his former empire does not want him to claim his throne. So, I always thought that was really cool. It's super cool, and Fo Lu is like maybe the coolest character in any fire in any fire. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> any any Breath of Fire game. I, I, I think that Breath of Fire is, is worth a shot. Uh, Breath of Fire Four is the best one, but Two is an all right uh, an all right Super Nintendo game. 
Uh, and like three seems cool, but uh, I I fell off that one quickly when I played it a while ago. Uh, oh, the soundtrack from four. Oh yes. That is I don't know. Personally, yeah, I listen to it a lot. So. Yeah, it does have cool music, and um, she wasn't the main composer on it, but uh, Yoko Shimomura, you know, a legend in the music composition in the game music composition industry, contributed to Breath of Fire One's soundtrack when she was on when she was a cap on Capcom's music staff. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah, but um, but, but like Capcom, like a lot of the Capcom games on the NES and Super Nintendo were sort of done by committee. So it's it like like Yoko Shimomura did more than half of the Street Fighter Two music, but she was you know not like one of four people that worked on it or something. Right. But, uh, yeah, th- th- that fact always comes out comes up often, probably because I love Shimomura and love Street Fighter. But that's not important. <laughs> um, Keegan, thank you for sharing with us your lack of Breath of Fire experience. Hillary, now it's your turn. Hillary, how long has it been since your last confession? <laughs> um, never, formally, so. All right. Um, it would be rude <laughs> to ask a lady of her age indirectly by giving a year number, so we're going to skip on that, and Hillary, please give <laughs> us your first game. So this is a pretty long-running series that I have also been meaning to get into but haven't, and that is Yeast. Oh, Yeast. I don't want to be a hipster and say I've been on the Yeast bandwagon since the beginning. That would be t- <laughs> that would be false. Um <laughs> I, I tried East 3 a long, long time ago, like t- uh, between 10 and 15 years ago. I thought it was dumb. But uh, I did get into East pretty hard in the uh, around maybe five or six years ago and um, was captivated almost immediately. I am a big East fan now, even though it's only been about five years. And Hillary, you've been missing out. There's a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. So, so I've learned recently, I've heard people having a lot of fun talking about the protagonist and the battle system so i'm looking forward to hearing more all right and uh, um keegan before i uh before we have you share your east thoughts uh hillary what's your general impression of east and and what do you think the series is about so this was the series that i always kind of saw in lists and saw around and wanted to know more about one for a, a very very long time like and my impression of it is pretty similar to to what i said i've heard the battle system is really responsive really fun pretty action-packed um and that the the different games are connected character wise but they're all kind of independent stories yep that is all very fair uh it, um east has great combat it, all uh, almost all of them have adol Kristen as their main character the red-headed swordsman yes. Or at at all the red. He's the only character in the entire series with red hair. There's every color of the rainbow of hair in that series, other than Adol being the only redhead. Um, and uh, and and basically, you can treat the entire series as a travelogue of Adol's adventures. He's like a well-known adventurer from you know the distant past, but he's a different age in each East game. I think I'd, I'd have to check manuals to be double to double check that. So, uh, um, Keegan, what's your East experience? So um, I'm a pretty recent convert to the East fandom. Uh, I actually started playing last year, I want to say, um, with Origin on the PC. Mm-hmm. And after, oh, it was so, it was fantastic. It was enough to sell me on the entire series. <laughs> so I haven't played all of them, but I have beaten Origin and I've dabbled in one, two, four, I want to say. Four was a uh, Selkata, right? Celsetta, yeah. Four is weird, but I'll I'll get Celsetta. into that. I'll get into that one in a minute. Yeah, and uh, six, the arc of so and so. 
cool. Um, you know now, I'm bad at pronouncing names. Yeah, and and Ease does not play fair with its names. I mean, first of all, it's it's not even <laughs> abundant, it's not even abundantly clear how to pronounce its two letter name. <laughs> and uh, for me, I, I I imagine Terry Bogard confronting the man who uh, killed his father and just going Ease. <laughs> uh, a little bit of S and K humor there. Yes, I got into East in a pretty big way in I, I want to say it was 2013. I'd have to double check my blog for when I for when I wrote all those reviews of of them. I played a, I think like five East games in four months or something, uh, just binging wow. binging hardcore, playing Oath and Felgana, uh, then the East one and two collection, and then um, East Origin all back to back to back. And it's sort of interesting, like, before 2000, the Nihon Falcom, you know, controlled the East brand, but it was pretty scattered who made all of them. There was at least three versions of East 4 uh, that were made by different groups each time before 2000. Uh, but then after 2000, when they did a they did a 1 and 2 remake that you could probably play on your refrigerator now, it's on so many systems. <laughs> and uh, and then they remade East 3, calling it Oath and Felgana. And uh, did a a pre a sort of prequel game called East Origin, which is about which is I think a thousand years before East One, and but has right. a bu- has a bunch of settings from East One and Two in it. And uh, then they remade East Four, calling it Memories of Celsetta. But and that East Four remake has elements of the different East Fours from the nineties. And uh, East Five has not been remade. That's uh, uh that was a uh, a PC game from the late nineties. And uh, East Six. Happened around was made a little bit before the the Oath and Felgana remake. So basically, from from the East one and two remakes from uh, from two thousand onward, they've uh, all of the East games were made in house instead of contracted out, and they've done a much better job of connecting story story bits to the past games. Like uh, there's a uh, a character in um, in Memories of Celsetta who has you know who's descended from one of the villains in East Origin and uh share, and she shares his move set and techniques a little bit it's a oh. they they've done a much better job of connecting the games since 2000 with this run of remakes and i've played all of them except for 5 which is japan only and uh, does not have a recent remake and 8 which i own and is sitting you know is a a cartridge on my shelf that i have not loaded in yet but i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to play that uh later this year hopefully and what, before we con- close the East discussion, uh, Hillary, I'm a big East fan. If you hadn't, uh, if you hadn't gathered that already, Th- there's another sort of break in them. The um, the first couple East games post 2000 are what I call, you know, the solo East games, where you only control one character and you dart around like you're playing a Zelda game, and uh, they're they're fast and intense, and the combat's great. Um, and then after those three, the next three that they've done, which are East Seven, uh, Memories of Celsetta, and East Eight. Those are mm-hmm. more like a Secret of Mana game, where you control a party of three characters, and right. uh, and but in in both of those, you know, East styles, the combat is really intense and fun, and the characters are great, and Adol is a great protagonist. So I apologize for running my mouth for so long about East. It's something <laughs> I'm very excited about. Thank you for sharing that with us, Hillary. <laughs> yeah, mm. thank you. I mean, I I got the impression that it was a very interesting series, and that. There were a bunch of different games that played a little bit differently, had a slightly different style, but had a good common thread. So that is exactly accurate. And um, and <laughs> but uh, with the exception of East Two, which I think happens immediately after East One, you can basically jump into any East game. And oh, Adol's an adventurer, and his best friend is Dogi, and uh, you're basically good to go. Perfect. So it's my turn to confess. Uh, technically, I have, I have fewer games to work with than uh, 
maybe you two do because I did have to I did have to confess two games in late 2016 for that episode. But I uh, I picked two other series that I have not played a moment of, and um, the first of which is Souls. Now, not uh, not not Soul Caliber, not not that song by the Bouncing Souls. Um, I'm talking about uh, Dark Souls and Demon Souls. I have played oh. about two hours of Demon Souls, the which is the PS3 game, and have not played a single second of any of the Dark Souls games. So, wow. Yeah, and uh, and uh, if if Rob Steinman listened to this podcast, which I sort of doubt he does, <laughs> he would be in, in some kind of high pitched growling at me right now. Because uh, I know a sternly he... worded letter coming your way right now. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, uh, I know he adores the Souls games, and my, but my general impression of them is now this is more Dark Souls and less Demon Souls that they are um, large, open-ended 3D action games where combat is very deliberate and sort of uh, and focused, and you have to be careful to survive in it because this world is very dangerous and it will always be trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of cool lore. The boss battles are awesome. The environment is pretty cool to explore, and the there is some level of multiplayer where you can jump into other players' worlds and either fight them or assist them. Is my understanding of what Dark Souls is. Uh, now, starting with you, Keegan, what's your experience with Dark Souls, and how close I am am I if you <laughs> if you know more about the series than I do, which is likely. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because Demon Souls is the only game in the series I haven't played out of all the Souls games. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good because that's one that I, I have played some of, so... Alright, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'd say you're uh, pretty close when it comes to uh, gameplay and lore-wise, you know. These are very big um, open-world games. There's a bit of linearity to it, you know. The exits are usually going to be the same, but it's different paths of how you're going to get there. And the secrets that you'll find along the way. Um, I do personally really love the lore of Dark Souls. There is a whole lot behind it that, um, I mean, thousands and thousands of YouTube videos exist out there oh, explaining yeah. the lore better than I ever could. It, it's a but. really popular game among streamers, and I have, uh, I, I, I haven't really watched them myself, but I've seen um, RPG fan staff link in our, you know, in our Slack channel. Uh, like explanatory videos of Dark Souls lore. There's a lot of hidden lore there too. It seems more um, understated and less explicit. Yes, it never, it never outright tells you like exactly who these characters are. If that makes sense. Like you'll encounter certain bosses and it'll be like, oh, this giant guy with a sword. It's super cool. But then people will figure out, oh, he's related to this giant wolf and they've been best friends for centuries. And there's not a single cutscene that tells you that. <laughs> You gotta discover it. No, and there's a lot hidden in like item descriptions and conversations in various places as well. Like it's very little bits and pieces. Yes, specifically on the multiplayer, you're very close there too, and it works very interestingly. Specific, uh, specifically, sorry, pronounce that weird. Basically, how it's designed is that it's not you know constant people roaming around like an MMO. Uh, people are usually summoned or invaded specifically into your world. Okay, and, so, um, so so you can you can request people to help, or you can can you close off your realm from invasion? Or uh, yes, usually okay. um, to request somebody to help, you have to be in a certain form. Uh, the most recent one I played is uh, Dark Souls Three, and to be able to summon somebody, you have to have an Ember activated, 
which basically boosts all your stats pretty high. It gives you lots of health, all that jazz, and it lets you summon in um, people who willingly put down, you know, their invitation. So right. I'm sure if you've seen people like the Knights of the Sun and things like that. Like, yeah, and I, I could be wrong about this, but I remember seeing a news story. Uh, either Demon Souls or Dark Souls 1 or both have their servers closed now. Uh, right. Demon Souls definitely does. Okay. I know that much. Dark Souls 1, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised um, with the remaster of Dark Souls 1 coming up. If they oh, right, yeah. It. That, that might like rep- replace the old version servers. That yeah. makes sense. But, but I, I think uh, yeah, I, I haven't been so following active. it that closely. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's very cool because I, list- um, I read an interview with uh, Miyazaki, the creator of the Souls games. And he talked about an incident once where he was driving and... Going uphill in the snow, his car got stuck, whole bunch of cars in a line, just everybody stuck. All these drivers got together and worked to get everybody out slowly and steadily until everybody was free and on their merry way. And he was talking about later, he was thinking, I wonder what these people are up to now. You know, I'll probably never see them again, but they played such an important part to me for that short time. And that's what inspired him create this whole random invitation and invasion system for the soul series. These people that you may never encounter again can play such an important part to you in this game. And yeah, I really and like that. That. Is, that is a very interesting mechanic because, you know, who they are can, can vary a lot, at least in, in yes. the first <laughs> game. And you're right. It's sort of transient. They're there. They can maybe get you out of a really sticky situation, but you're not going to get the same person twice and they're not going to stay. Oh yeah. And also um, I remember reading about this and I, and I saw some of it when I briefly played dark souls. I'm not, I'm sorry. uh, Demon souls one. Some people can leave messages for other players and you can sort of like, like see their ghosts of what, of of how they, how they killed something or how they died. The blood stains. Yes. Uh, I had Uh, such a fun time (laughs) reading those messages. Yeah. It's very interesting because you don't, um, necessarily type out the messages. You have to choose from preset phrases and preset words. So, oh wow, people have used those in some very interesting ways. <laughs> yes, never trust a message that tells you, you know, fall in this location. Right, jump underneath. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> if you see that message and then like a dozen blood stains around it, bad sign. <laughs> so okay, there's a there's a door with blood stains all around it, and there's a. a um, like eight messages that say open this door maybe don't trust those eight messages right bonfire yes. ahead sure <laughs> yeah maybe it's maybe it's just some shared trolling or sarcasm yeah there's definitely I, it feels like it in that community especially that there's always that goodwilled trolling you know <laughs> it's kind of like you know learn not to trust everything that you see in that game I, Which, I, 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 I dig that I can, I can see how that tone would be conveyed yeah. And it and it goes perfectly with the world and the series in general. So yeah, I'm I embrace it. Oh yeah. Very very dark and upsetting world at times. If you find NPCs that you like throughout the story, don't get your hopes up that they'll make it to the end. All right. Well, um thank you for educating <laughs> me about Dark Souls. I feel enlightened and I feel slightly more, you know, game curious about that series. Now each of us has shared one game that we have not uh played yet or one game series more accurately so we but we each prepared two so now we're going to the second round of that so keegan it's your turn again um tell us the second game or series which you have not played 
All right. The second one for me, and I notice a lot of people don't talk about it much anymore, is the Grandia series. Now, you say that, but there was a lengthy Grandia segment on a recent episode of, uh, of Random Encounter from mid-February. So, <laughs> bad, <laughs> bad timing with that, te- with that take, but uh, continue. <laughs> Excluding Random Encounter and my friends at RPG Fan, I don't hear many people still speaking on the uh, Grandia series. Now, this one I know even less of than the uh, Breath of Fire series. I've seen a couple of screens, and actually I haven't even seen any single videos of gameplay. But from what I hear about the story, it seems like it's a genuinely like fun adventure. It doesn't seem like there's a too much of like a threat to the world, but it sounds to me more like a group of friends exploring this magical fantasy world. And that sounds really cool to me. I get a little tired of save the world stories every now and then, you know? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think a little bit because the three Grandia games I've played, I, I have not, I've only played a tiny bit of Grandia Extreme, which is not, which does not have a great, great reputation. Uh, oh. and I, and I have not played Grandia online, which I'm not sure exists anymore, <laughs> but I, I have, didn't know there was a Grandia online. <laughs> yeah. It, it, or there was, or maybe it was called world of Grandia or something, but there was, they, there was some experiment that they did there. But I have beaten Grandia 1 and 2, and I've played about 10 hours of Grandia 3. It was one of those PS2 games I abandoned partway through college because I got busy and distracted. Hmm. But uh, I think um, the first two are excellent. There, there is more of a innocent spirit of you know a kid wanting to go on, to, on, on an adventure in Grandia 1, while in Grandia 2 it's more like a, a slightly sullen, uh, like sarcastic anti-hero character gets uh gets embroiled in a world-spanning conflict but they're both oh yeah um um, justin and ryudo are both really good protagonists they're both very good rpgs and personally what strikes me the most about the grandia series is the um is the combat because combat's turn-based but every human well every player character and enemy are sort of on the same action meter and by um using you know uh, using stun moves or attacking your enemy when they're at certain positions in their turn order, you can like knock them down the meter and ha- cause them to skip turns and lose turns. And it's it feels really really good when it works, and it works most of the time, I think. Um, oh, so it's kind of like the Child of Light game. Child of Light, uh, like stole that from Grandia. <laughs> okay, well that was the only comparison I had when you said that. And uh, a couple of the recent Z-Boyd RPGs also do that. And uh, as far as I know, it was done first in Grandia. Okay. But before, before I ask Hillary about Grandia, um, have you played the Lunar Games? I have not. Okay. That's another confession well, I have in there. If no, I can throw it, it, it's fine. We can pair them together, I get a little bit. I mean, both Lunar and Grandia are designed by Game Arts and were written by the same guy, uh, Takashi Miyagi, oh. who, uh, who sadly died young. He was only around 45 or 46 when he died. Um, wow. yeah, but he but he worked on Lunar One and Two, Grandia One and Two, and a, a bunch of other games with Game Arts. And I think I think maybe his his passing might be part of the reason why they haven't been making a lot of Grandia lately. But uh, his writing is like it, it it feels very personal and positive in a fun way. Like like when you talk to an NPC, uh, they mentioned this on the Random Encounter episode a few weeks ago. When you talk to an NPC, they won't just say one thing. And then and then you're done with the conversation. Like you'll actually talk to them, and your party members will comment on them and like make fun mm-hmm. of Justin or something because Justin's a bit of a goofball in uh, in Grandia One. But there's I like think that, I think that's especially true when Sue's around. Oh yeah, 
Uh, yeah, Sue is another Grandia one character who you know gives Justin the business nonstop. But uh, both Lunar and Grandia, I think, share a similar aesthetic, like very colorful '90s, early or maybe late '80s even anime, with uh, with just a lot a lot of express expressive you know anime faces, and uh, usually there's also a race of of uh, of um, beast people or humans with like uh, cat-like or bear-like features that made me almost think that Lunar and Grandia take place in the same world, even though they do not. Oh. Uh, and uh, so I think like going from Lunar to Grandia, and then Lunar has a more traditional turn-based combat, and Grandia has that cool action meter thing, but it's still turn-based. So I, I sort of think of those two series as linked in a way where Grandia has you know a, a, an evolved gameplay design from Lunar. And uh, frankly, I recommend all of them. I like Grandia 1 and 2 a lot. Grandia 3 had even better combat than Grandia 2, but uh, sort of a more boring story, um, except for your mom. Uh, uh, Your mom, uh, the main character's mother, Miranda, uh, (laughs) basically the first hour or two of Grandia 3 is, hey, mom, I found this girl that uh, fell from the sky, and I need to help her. Can I go on an adventure? And the mom says... Absolutely not. You're 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 16. I'm going on the adventure with you. And then she's your like she's a party member for the first uh, half of the story or so. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, uh, her name's Miranda, but sh- uh, shamefully I don't remember the Gradio three main character's name. He was that boring. <laughs> um, Ouch. Yeah, but I uh, I've been talking a lot. Hillary, um, what's your experience with the Grandia series, or maybe also Lunar, if we're gonna talk about both of them together? Um, I have played. Some of all of them. <laughs> all right. Even Grandia Extreme, because I've I've only oh. heard I've only heard okay. music from Grandia Extreme, excluding Grandia Extreme and online. Fair. One all and right. two, actually, I should clarify that. Some of Grandia one and two, and some of Lunar. So, uh, but what's your general impression of them? Um, I would I would say Keegan had it pretty accurate. At least in in Grandia one, there is a really great kind of expansive feeling about exploration and going out into the world learning that I really 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 liked and I I like how it contrasts with the second game so much it it made me really really glad that I played both of them honestly so I would I'd recommend that yeah actually. yeah yeah Justin <laughs> Justin is very enthusiastic and positive while Ryudo is very sarcastic and uh and negative, but but um, but not like not like a super jerk negative, and a sort of a right. like like a like a reluctant hero kind of negative. Um, but I, I like both of them a lot, and think Grandia one and two are excellent. They were originally on the Saturn and Dreamcast respectively, but I played them on their ports to the PS one and PS two respectively. Okay, yeah, I've seen a. I think two on my Steam page show up a couple times. Yes, Grandia. I think Grandia two does have a Steam port. I do not think Grandia one does, but you. You can, I think you can find Grandia One on on Vita or PS4 or PS3 or all of those. That's that's how Derek was playing it when he mentioned he was playing it on retro on uh, sorry on Random Encounter. Okay. All right, sounds awesome. Oh yeah, I enjoy Grandia very much. Uh, so Hillary, um, please tell us about the second game or game series that you are confessing not to have played. All right, so the second series is one that actually shares a developer with the first I am going to go with the Heroes uh, slash Trails series ah yes I have played a few of these but um, definitely not as many as other RPG fan staff but um, before I talk about my um, 
uh, Legend of Heroes or uh, Trails of Blank experience. Um, Hillary, what's your general impression of what these games are like? My general impression of what they're like is that visually they're quite nice. Um, I'm, I've mostly heard people saying that it's a really expansive world, kind of a little bit like what like we were saying with, with Grandia. It pays to talk to everyone, go back, find everything, because there's an interesting story to piece together there. I would say this is much more true of Legend of Heroes than for Grandia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like Grandia is about like the spirit of adventure, and this is and Legend of Heroes is very much about what's happening in this really cool deep world. But uh, please continue. Okay, that's good to know. Um, I also know that there are a few different offshoots of the series that sort of connect, but not directly, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Um. Sure. Keep going. <laughs> There's like trails. There's like trails in the sky and cold steel too. Yeah. Yep. There's and and others because there's there's a <laughs> there's a lot of these games. But uh, I guess that's enough. Um, uh, Legend of Heroes has been around a long time. It sprouted off of a, a an 80s game that Falcom made. Maybe it was early 90s called Dragon Slayer. And then after that, they made three Legend of Heroes games, which did come out in the United States um, on the PSP. Uh, but they, those three are bad. Like, one of them is called, uh, I think, Vermilion Tears or something? Hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh... I actually didn't know that was part of the uh, Trail series. Yeah, that was it. It's um, uh, Tear of Vermilion. And then there was also Prophecy of the Moonlight Witch and Song of the Ocean are the three. Now, huh. so so like so like the first Legend of Heroes games were li- were late '80s and called Dragon Slayer. Then those those three in the '90s, which are called the Gargav trilogy, and uh, I only I like they d- the PSP versions of the Gargav trilogy did come out in North America, but they are not good. Like um the, the those games are known in at least among Japanese fans for having a really beautiful, great script and character work, but the localization is so bad in those PSP games that none of it comes across. Uh, and it's just really sort of boring gameplay. And then, but then following that Gargav trilogy, you have the Trails in the Sky trilogy, which are the technically, um, I, I guess, Legend of Heroes 6, maybe, I think. And that is the one starring Estelle and Joshua that was the first really good one. I, and that was the first one I played. I played the first Trails in the Sky when it came out in 2011 or 2012 and loved it. I thought it was awesome. And uh, and I liked it so much that that's when I started researching the old ones and play and I played one of them and thought it was bad, uh, and uh, so um, those three have did come out of the United States. The uh, the first two are are sort of complete a single story, and then the third one is kind of like a, a guide and chapter that um, that is a, a a third connected story that takes place after the first two. But really, the first two are the, the first one ends on a cliffhanger and the second one resolves that cliffhanger, and then they made. Uh, two s- sort of spin-off games called Trails in Zero and Trails of Blue or Trails of Azure, uh, depending on how you translate them. And they take place in a neighboring country that's mentioned a couple times in Trails in the Sky. And now, we're living in 2018, um, the, the real sequel to Trails in the Sky is Trails of Cold Steel, which has had four games in its little set. Uh, the fourth one is not out yet at the time of recording this podcast, but Trails, in, Trails of Cold Steel 1 through 3 are hugely popular. They take place in an, in a different nation next to the Trails in the Sky country. It's it's, uh, it's actually their sort of their rival or enemy nation in some sense, and uh, that takes place in a military academy 
where uh, that has you know a conspiracy and then a, and then a terrorist attack and then a civil war which takes over the, the trails of cold steel story. So I apologize for running my mouth for so long, <laughs> but uh, my, my trails my um, Legend of Heroes experience is I played one of the Gargav trilogy and did not like it. Then I played the first two of the Trails in the Sky trilogy and loved them. And I've played the beginning of Trails of Cold Steel 1, and I was impressed. I think it's good. But I uh, I have not played much else of it. And uh, But I know it's very, very beloved by other people in RPG fan staff. Mm-hmm. If, um, if Rob's Diamond was wincing from... Uh, from me mentioning my lack of Dark Souls, <laughs> this time it was Caitlin Argyros's turn for yeah. being furious with me for not having played more Trails of Cold Steel. Because um, uh, um, uh, Caitlin, I don't think she likes uh, Trails in the Sky because she uh, uh, the visuals didn't appeal to her. But she's a big fan of Trails of Cold Steel, yes, which are for she's... the uh, which are for the PC, Vita, PS3, and PS4. She's probably wincing at my description too, because I know she's. <laughs> so, uh, so Keegan, um, how many Legend of Heroes or uh, or Trails games? Uh, what's your experience with them? Okay, so right now I'm only I've only completed uh, Trails in the Sky one, and I definitely want to continue in the Sky series before I go to Cold Steel. But holy moly, are these games big! It I needed a couple of filler games afterwards just to digest, but. Yeah. Trails in the Sky one is a good thirty or thirty five hours, and Trails of the, Trails in the Sky second chapter is probably twice as long. Yeah, <laughs> and I have not played them, but I've, I think I've, I've at one point or another I looked on the How Long to Beat pages for the Cold Steel games, and all of them are like sixty hours. It's crazy. These are long, dense. RPGs with a lot of walking around and talking to people and backtracking and talking to people and learning more about these big, this big, cool, connected world that is set up. I think you probably can play Cold Steel without going into Sky. Like, a minor spoiler, the uh, principal of the Academy of Trails of Cold Steel is a uh, is one of the playable characters in Trails in the Sky. So, spoiler, uh-huh. alert, spoiler alert, at least one character in Trails in the Sky survives. Interesting. Um, <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Um, but the... It, you probably could jump into Cold Steel and figure out what's going on and enjoy it on its own, but there you'll have a better appreciation for the world and for at least a few of the characters if you play Trails in the Sky first. And so I, I would recommend playing them in order if you can, because I really love the first two in that series. But you probably can get away without it. And there's hmm. so many games. Again, like uh, Trails in the, uh, Trails of Cold Steel Four is not out, so not counting that one. There are eight long ass games in this sub series, and they're very well liked, and the two that I've played are excellent. But I mean, I'm not going to be mad at you for not playing them because that's a lot of hours. <laughs> good, good grief. <laughs> yeah, I think I honestly think that was part of it because they're so big and so rich. I didn't want to get started and then have too much time pass or lose track. So. Yeah, I understand that. It feels to me like it's one of those games where this can be the only RPG you're playing. At the time, yeah, you know, sometimes you can like switch around, like a little bit of Dragon Quest, a little bit of um, a Mario game, but like this one needs your full attention. That's but not, that's that not sounds that like a, a parody version of Mambo Number no. Five that I need in my life. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a little bit of Dragon Quest in my life, Super Mario RPG. Well, that's a hard one to put. <laughs> yeah, you should have picked a game that has like fewer than eight words in its title. But I'll get there. <laughs> But what? um, uh, but but yeah, the, these are dense, long games, and there's a lot. You'll be doing a lot of reading and a lot of walking. But they are fun. Do not get me wrong. Even oh, though it uh, sounds, 
you know, I know personally when I say it, I'm like, oh, this game's really long. It's absolutely worth it. I'm, I'm going to borrow a term that uh, I, I first heard Rob Fenner mention, another one of our uh, Retro Encounter friends. Um, uh, Trails in the Sky 1 feels like video game tourism because you're, you're you're these two young people who you know meet other companions of course but you're uh, they're they're traveling around the uh, the country where they live to try and um, qualify for being a bracer basically the, basically a, a sort of a an organization of of, uh, of of mercenaries and and sort of do-gooders like they they're, they're trying to qualify for guild membership and they travel around the world to do so but in doing so they sort of see some political machinations and uncover a conspiracy of sorts and in the second one oh and the, okay I should mention there's a giant cliffhanger at the end of uh of Trails in the Sky 1. And in the second one, they sort of pay off on that conspiracy. Like, your characters are full bracers. They're, um, they're, like, uh, they go to a lot of the same places you did in the first game, but you're meeting, like, leaders in the evil organization that you're fighting, and it's just, it's a, it's more character-driven, and the first game is a lot of setup, and the second game is a lot of payoff. And I was so eager to play the second one after playing the first one. It's, it was a long four years waiting for that localization. <laughs> but uh, uh, like I adore them. I think Estelle, like Estelle, is a little annoying in the first uh, um, Trails in the Sky, and just com- is completely a, a new woman in the second one, and is one of my favorite RPG protagonists ever. By the end of the second one, I, I wholeheartedly recommend those. But they're the only two I've played in the series at length. All right. So yeah, um, Hillary, that is the Legend of Heroes to the best <laughs> of my knowledge and description. <laughs> Uh, I guess it's my turn again. Uh, this, I think, it might be the oldest series that we've mentioned on the podcast today. And uh, um, it makes it abundantly clear that I was a Nintendo kid and then a Sony kid and never a Sega kid. Except for the, you know, the very fun three years I had a Dreamcast for playing uh, Soul Calibur and Skies of Arcadia. Uh, I have never played a single game in the Fantasy Star series. Not mm. the, not the older ones from Master System or Genesis or Mega Drive, uh, not none of the Fantasy Star Online or Fantasy Star Universe games. I do not know. I do not really know what a uh, a Hugh Marl is or whatever those weird class combination names are. <laughs> um, and I I uh, I even listened to two entire podcasts of Fantasy Star music in or some early episodes of Rhythm Encounter uh, before joining the site even. But I know almost nothing of these of Fantasy Star, other than it is a sci-fi uh, influenced Japanese RPG, in which uh, Fantasy Star Four is often held up as one of the best uh, Genesis RPGs. But I haven't played any of them, so I can't. I I, I know very little about about them. Uh, starting with you, Keegan, do you know anything about Fantasy Star that you can tell me? All right. So um, the OG Fantasy Star series, one through four, I haven't had a lot of a chance to touch up on. I've t- played a little bit, but I don't have a lot of experience. The online games in Universe, however, I was a big player of at the time, and right. I absolutely love those games. <laughs> now, um, oh shoot, I think, did, did they start on the on the Dreamcast, or did they go earlier than that? Um, The online games, I believe, were Dreamcast first. I played the uh, GameCube ports when they were released in uh, the Fantasy Star 1-2 bundle. so okay. But I believe it was the Dreamcast and their little special online functionality that was the first of it. I think that is right. I, I could do some background research, but we'll, we'll just assume that's correct, because I, <laughs> I don't think there was an online attachment for the Saturn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And, but but so you did play at least some of the Fantasy Star Online slash Universe games, and uh, were you? Is it more like a hack and slash standalone RPG, or are they, are they more uh, like online focused on even the GameCube versions? Um, they definitely feel like they have more of an online focus. I played a lot of a couch co-op at the time, which is really nice because you just sure, go okay. straight into the three other friends to play it. Uh, I'm trying to think of the best uh, uh, comparison I can think of for the series. It's got a little bit of hack and slash, but um, it definitely has the whole RPG string, especially when it comes to uh, picking your separate classes. Oh, there's a game that's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, Darksiders. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a lot uh, similar to that. Uh, I played a lot of the gunning class, actually, which I found to be really fun. It was a lot of uh, customization with the weapons and skills, too, for how, you know, your shots would go, what kind of ammo you would carry. It was just, it was really fun. And the settings also were fantastic. As you start off in this uh, sci-fi world, I believe it's a space station. It's been a couple of years since I've played it. You could make, start... make something up and I would believe you. <laughs> it starts inside the mouth of a Tyrannosaurus Rex and gets crazier <laughs> from there. But no, you start off in this crazy uh, sci-fi, you know, fantasy world. Feels kind of like a Blade Runner meets Star Wars. And then your first dungeon, it's this very primordial area, you know. There's weird creatures walking around. It's dense jungles. It's a cool little mesh, you know. I really liked it. Uh, Hillary, have you had any experience with the uh, early RPGs at all? Because that's where I'm unfortunately lacking out on. Unfortunately, I'm lacking as well. I don't oh, know. No. Well. I know. <laughs> when, okay, none of us were Sega kids in the early 90s, I guess. I was about to say that, yeah. I was a Nintendo kid, too. I was PlayStation 1. I uh, I mean, I, I'm aware that they are popular and well-liked, especially uh, for RPG fans that had a Genesis. Again, Stephen Meyerink, is, now it's his turn to, you know, wits as, uh, as yeah. we're talking about his uh, <laughs> a favorite series of his. Fantasy Star 4 is the one I see held up as really good um, a few times. We've, we've talked about covering it on Retro Encounter, but it, it hasn't happened yet. It may yet. I'm not, I'm not saying it won't, but uh, um, we've at least talked about it before. And I had a few friends that were really into some of the, uh, uh, some of the mid-2000s Fantasy Star Online ones. I, I know there was, a, there was a PSP game and a DS game that I think weren't um, didn't have an online component, but were inspired by the online games. They're like very hacky, slashy, local multiplayer-enabled kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah. those. Yeah, I, I remember them coming out when I was in college, and two or three of my friends were super pumped about them. Um, and, I, and I think there was a Vita one, because I remember like when I was you know really into trying to play all the Vita RPGs, that uh, there was a contingent of Vita fans that were mad <laughs> that the, v, the Fantasy Star Vita game did not come out in North America. But... <sighs> Uh, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to Google their, to find their names or exactly what details I have right or wrong about them. But I know uh, I know that there's at least those three. Yeah. But um, I, I know very little about it about the Fantasy Star uh, world or gameplay or action, except that I know they're popular and at least some of the imagery I've seen of them seems cool. But I I don't know enough to have a real opinion. I. I'm going to make a quick plug. Um, I think there's a kind of a good beginning description of at least one of the games in our in Retro's Cat episode because of Meow. Oh. Yes, that is true. We did talk about him for a while. I knew nothing about him. <laughs> I'm sure it was Fenner that brought that up, wasn't it? 
I believe so. Yeah. It was yeah. either Fenner or Lana. <laughs> it, it seems in character for good old Rob Fenner, but it was a... Uh, uh, I did listen to that episode, but I don't think I edited it, so I, uh, I don't remember it maybe as intimately as I normally would. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Mike, you just reminded me. I believe there was also a Fantasy Star Online 3 that was released for the GameCube that sure, was I... a TCG game. That was a card game. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, I I honestly didn't remember until we started talking about the DS series, but I believe it kind of functions similar to the Baton Kaido series. Okay, yeah. Where you kind of had a deck-building system and all that jazz. Mm-hmm, I, I follow you. I mean, um, Baton Kaidos was... I mean, it was a regular RPG, but the, all of the combat and skills were dominated by cards. Right, so yeah. Is that, is that what this Fantasy uh, Star Online 3 GameCube is like? I believe so, yeah. Now, this one... I know not as much as Fantasy Star Online 1 and 2. I remember reading about it a lot and seeing friends playing it, but I believe it's more akin to Baton Kaidos than it is to, say, like, um, a Yu-Gi-Oh! or Magic the Gathering video game. Sure, okay. And I I mean, I have played my share of uh, TCGs or CCGs over the years, so I'm yeah. definitely not opposed to a, a card game-based RPG combat system, but... Oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't know if I have the you know the time or the stamina <laughs> to get into one of the Fantasy Star Online games. If I were to jump into the series, I think I would just play four for the Genesis. That's fair. Because that thing's available in a lot of ways um, on modern systems, but the others I'm less less keen on. I would say. Um, from what I've heard from a lot of uh, Fantasy Star and Sega fans, I believe that four is the one that has aged the best out of all these years. Because so I've seen gameplay of, I believe it was either Fantasy Star 1 or 2, and it does have some archaic systems in it. My impression is that 2 is, is good, but 4 is the best one. Mm. And uh, I think 3 is the one that's supposed to be sort of ambitious, but kind of unfinished and ultimately not great. But uh, again, this is just me like hearing snippets of conversations from old episodes of Rhythm Encounter. <laughs> right. But I think it's enough Fantasy Star talk. Uh, we're going to... But before we close off the podcast, I want to sort of cap off each of our confessions with uh, one final bit. And uh, Hillary, I apologize. We're going to pick on you first. That's um, fine. Hillary, uh, the uh, the two series that Keegan confessed not to have played are Grandia and Breath of Fire, and the two yep. and the two that I confess not to have played are Fantasy Star and Dark Souls. So please give Keegan one recommended game and myself one recommended game. That uh, from your knowledge and experience that you think each of us should play. All right. So for Keegan, I'm going to recommend Grandia. Um, okay. It's cool. It's a nice sort of if you're craving something that's kind of a re- will give you that retro. It's fun to explore long RPG <laughs> feel. That's definitely the way to go. Plus, Justin and Fina are just great. I like both of them a lot. And this is definitely just because of my personal bias, but I would recommend that you, Solosi, finish Demon Souls. I, for whatever reason, <laughs> I, it just really clicked with me. Conveniently, that is the one that I own, so maybe maybe we can make that happen. <laughs> but do you think is it, it's uh, is it playable or at least still good even without the online component? I think so, but I'm definitely personally lean more toward not playing ah, online or playing multiplayer, so I might be kind of biased. 
Okay, well, thank you, Hillary. Um, I'll make it my turn now because it's unfair to have me go last all the time whenever we take turns <laughs> in any podcast. So I'll, uh, I'll try to flip the script a little bit. Um, now, Keegan, again, you uh, confessed not to have played Grandia and Breath of Fire, and for Hillary, your confessions were East and Legend of Heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. So for you, Keegan, I am going to recommend you play Breath of Fire 4 because I think that is the best game in that series. It has a lot of really cool stuff in it. Even if I, it's one of the few retro encounter games I played where I wished it was a little longer, like mm. like I, when I got to the final area and the final and the final boss, I'm like, wait, wait a second, that's it, man? Like they they could have stretched this out another five hours. Come on, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I was I was having a hard time picking between that and Grandia. Yeah, Breath of Fire Four is very good, and we, after you finish playing it, you should obviously listen to our two podcast episodes that Alana and I recorded on it. And uh, Hillary, yeah, of course, right? And uh, Hillary, um. Yours is a little bit harder to pick because I've I've played more games in your set than in Keegan's set, but uh, for you, I think I'm going to recommend East the Oath and Felgana because it is a really good first East game. Uh, you you meet Adol and Dogi. Uh, the story is good. There's a bit of a surprise twist before the last area, and it's some really intense, furious action combat. There's a little bit of a grind, but I. I liked the the fighting and the music and the setting so much that I forgave the grind a little bit. Ooh. So I, I think that one is definitely worth playing. And uh, it, I'm not sure if it's my favorite East game or not, but it's definitely in my top two. And I think it's a really good choice for a first East. Great. And I actually conveniently will have a guide as I start mine. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 we did a feature on it. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Rob Fenner wrote a uh, So You Want to Get Into East mini feature. I think it was earlier this year, but it might have been the end of 2017. But it's a very entertaining read and an informative read if you uh, feel undereducated on East. Uh, but now, Keegan, it's your turn. Um, one recommendation for me, who has not played Fantasy Star or Dark Souls, and one recommendation for Hillary, who has not played East or Legend of Heroes. Okay. So, Slosi, I'll start with you first. I feel like you should definitely pick up Dark Souls 3. I don't feel like you're missing out much from not playing one and two. Three over and one is, is a little surprising to me, but continue. Yes, I feel like it um, definitely polishes up on some of the quote-unquote features, aka glitches and bugs that the first two games had. Um, it still has a pretty thriving online community, so if you're having any issues with bosses, it won't be as hard as Dark Souls one or two to find companions. And I feel like it's a it's pretty powerful, like. <laughs> They've really pushed the uh, PS4, Xbox One, and PC to their limits with some of these boss battles and just how amazing they can get. Highly suggest. Okay, thank you. All right. And uh, Hillary, this one... Oh, man, this one's tough. I am going to go with East Origin. I, personally for me, I mean, (laughs) that was the one I started with, so I'm a little biased. But I think it's a nice entryway into the series. I feel like it explains a lot of the lore that you get to experience as you go later on into these games. And it's fun, fast-paced action combat with three different playable characters that all play relatively differently. But oh, yes. They're basically... I, I, would, I, would, I would say very differently. It's um, like, uh, uh, Hillary, I'm going to do a little bit of extra uh, explosion on you. Go for um, it. 
Uh, East Origin's very good, but when you compare Felgana to Origin, Felgana is a little bit more traditional RPG. There's a town, and there's uh, there's more NPCs to talk to. Mm-hmm. Well, Origin is basically you're at the bottom of a tower full of demons. You got to get to the top. There's mm-hmm. and uh, so the, it's a bit more of a um, a more contiguous world. The the uh, the the setting is really cool. The action's great, and the three characters are completely different. Um, uh, again, this is a thousand years before uh, East One, so Adol's not in it. But one of the characters basically plays similarly to Adol, and the other two are completely um, new takes on this kind of action. And there's a lot of East 1 and 2 lore hidden in East Origin. And uh, I've, since I played 1 and 2 before Origin, seeing it all how and how it all fit together was eye-opening and awesome. East Origin's super cool. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm, as we're talking, I'm remembering more and more um, of looking at the review, actually, our review for Origin. And I think that recommendation makes a lot of sense for me because, as everyone can probably tell from my Demon Souls recommendation, I do tend to like to start at the beginning of the story and go from there. <laughs> yeah, and also East 1 and 2, they have not aged as gracefully as Origin or Felgana, that's for damn sure. Um, <laughs> no. or, um, Origin and Felgama, Felgana play both quite similarly. Um, I think uh, I could be getting these years wrong. I think one was 05 and one was 07, and they were basically built in the same engine. But uh, So the, like following from one to the other will be will feel very natural, but they're they're both great. And uh, one last final recommendation, Hillary. Uh, after you've played Trails in the Sky one and two, and East Othen- and uh, East Seven, right. you should totally play the uh, Japan-only PSP game that I imported, East versus Sora no Kiseki Alternative Saga, which is a wait cool- what? Oh yeah, there's a there's a PSP fighting game about the cast of Trails in the Sky and the cast of East Seven. Um, all Time fight- out. You are kidding all me. Fi- all, fighting, all fighting together. It reminds me a little bit of Power Stone, since it's a 3D environment, and there's, a, there's, some, there's jumping, blocking, and dashing in it. So, but it is a crazy, wacky fighting game. There's, uh, I, believe, I believe there's 17 playable characters, because it's, it's the seven main characters from East 7, plus one character from East Oath and Filgana, and then, ah. and then six of the main characters from uh, Trails in the Sky, plus two Trails in the Sky villains. Uh, oh my goodness! So it's it is it is super <laughs> wild. Um, just look up look up East Sora Alternative Saga, and you'll, you should be able to find videos of it. I uh, I imported it on a whim because I saw it for a, a very uh, cheap amount. I think on eBay when I was just looking at all the East and Legend of Heroes games available, and I ended up having so much fun with it. I think it might be the game in my PSP right now since I I have gone back to it um, over the years. And again and again I got that right after I started getting into East. In probably 2013 or 2014, right. but uh, but unfortunately, it, uh, uh, if you're if you're very mindful of spoilers, uh, don't play that game until you've done uh, until you've done Trails in the Sky two because it does spoil the identity of one secret villain in that game. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you for that. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that, I mean, I I know I'm not bothered by spoilers, but a lot of people are, so I try to be careful about them. I yeah, I tend to I do tend to try and avoid a ton of extra information for games I'm not familiar with or haven't finished. But yeah, no, possible. but definitely look up videos of that game because it is it is really goofy, intense fight, uh, combat where the action feels like E7, which is also for the PSP. Uh, so, and it's probably built on a similar engine, although I'm not 100% certain of that. But, it, uh, but yeah, it's half Trails characters, half East characters, and they're just going nuts at each other. 
And I think, I mean, if I'm talking about East versus Sora Alternative Saga, it's definitely the end of the podcast. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, Hillary and Keegan, for uh, for talking to me and, and confessing your sins to me. I know it's very hard, but I think we're all stronger people and more fulfilled people as a result of getting all getting these, these sins off of our shoulders. I think we learned a lot. We're closer as colleagues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All that. Feels good to get it off my chest. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, I, you can't see this, of course, but I'm I'm sweating like a pig. I've, I I was just I'm just I was so ner- I was so nervous this whole time, and now I'm just feeling this this great relief. But uh, enough about confessions, uh, listeners. If you um, tune in next week, we are posting our second Super Mario RPG episode, where we talk about the second half of the game. Um, I recently finished playing that for this podcast, and I had a lot of fun doing so. Um, it was really a lot of fun uh, playing Super Mario RPG again after many years. And two people on that podcast panel are playing the game for the first time, so I'm really eager to um, hear their thoughts on the end of that game, which is a game I love deeply. Um, and next next week, two weeks from today, <laughs> um, or two weeks from this episode, I should say, uh, Peter is bringing the band back together and talking about Darksiders 2. Uh, oh, you they, know it. They did a um, and Keegan. Yeah, you were on that episode. Uh, there, we did two Darksiders episodes in April of last year of 2017, which was, uh, I believe, Peter, Keegan, and Marcos. Apologies, apologies to you, Keegan, for referring to you in the third person. Um, no, you're okay. <laughs> it's so, my first appearance. <laughs> fair, but the. Uh, uh, yeah, um, we're, they're doing a follow epi- a follow up episode on Darksiders two, and maybe a little bit of anticipor- anticipatory talk about Darksiders three in two episodes from this one. Uh, we've started planning out June for Retro Encounter, but we haven't uh, finished all of it yet, so I'm not prepared to talk about episodes after Darksiders two. But that will all happen soon, and soon my plans will fall into place. But they have not yet. But we are not the only uh, podcast on RPGFan.com. There's also Random Encounter, which is focused on more on current events and RPG news. Uh, Derek Hemesbergen is the host of Random Encounter, and he does an amazing job. So please follow them as well. It's a separate uh, podcast feed to this one. If you uh, Listeners, if you want to contact us, the easiest way to do so is to email retro at RPGFan.com. If you want to... Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Twitch, on Discord, on Instagram. Either find the link from the RPGFan.com main page or Google RPGFan and one of those things. It shouldn't be that hard to find. We also have message boards on RPGFan.com that I don't use anymore, but some people do. So if you're a message board person, please hit those up. Uh, you may be listening to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play. If you, if you uh, so desire to, please leave feedback. We appreciate all constructive criticism that is left for us. So before we sign off, starting with you, Hillary, how can listeners reach you? I am EP Fire on the boards. Um, that's the best way to reach me. Um, yeah. All right. And Keegan, your turn. Um, if you guys are looking for me on the boards, you can find me there as Fozzie Bear. Um, I'm very active on my personal Twitter account. That is at uh, Kaylee Brand. If you want to stop by there, send me a tweet, say hi. I'm always down to talk to peeps. All right, and me personally, I am Monsoon on the RPGFan.com forums. I am Monsoon Mike on Discord and at the Real Monsoon on Twitter. I also have a second Twitter called at Evoker for Dogs, where I get weird and talk about Japanese superhero movies mostly. So uh, that is how you can find me. Um, I think that about does it. Uh, thanks for confessing, panelists and listeners. Thank you. 
good night and good luck. Bye, everyone. Bye.